This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name's Jerry Foley. I'm the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper, and with me, as always, is the beat writer, the heart of Giants Nation. Nobody beats the biz, Chris Bizignano. And, folks, very excited today. We have an extremely special guest, two-time Super Bowl champion, third all-time in Giant sacks, the man, Leonard Marshall, baby, has joined the Giant Insider Podcast, folks. Leonard, thank you for making the time with us today, man. Good morning, fellas. Great to be with you, Jerry and Chris. Um, hopefully, we'll make this exciting for the fans, and uh, we'll have a little bit of fun while doing it. Awesome. Well, Lenny, you were an exciting football player, my man, um, and you were a dominant player in the playoffs. We'll get into all that. But, Lenny, thank you for coming on, my man. We, you know, we've been trying to hook up for a little while. We finally got it done, and uh, it's an honor to talk to you because, you know, Jerry – him and Len, him and LT on that one side, brother. I mean, they brought it. They brought it in the playoffs. And Lenny, look, you get drafted in '83. Um, you come over here. You know, Parcells' first year and all that. Talk a little bit about it. You come here to the Giants. You know, thirty-seventh pick, second round. Parcells, yeah. uh, Lawrence is already in the locker room. What was it like, Lenny, being drafted by the Giants and coming over here? Well, I tell you, the, the, the challenge of playing and uh, the stepping into the shoes of of Gary Jeter, yeah. who was. Uh, my predecessor with the Giants. Right. Uh, Gary Jeter um, was a hell of a player for the Giants and a guy I respected. As a matter of fact, I rented Gary's apartment my rookie year for the first year just to try to understand it. Okay. And then along the way, I ended up buying the place uh, and living in Harmon Cove Towers because of Gary. Uh, so Gary kind of prepped me on what to be prepared for. But what he didn't tell me was that Parcells was just as much of a stickler as he was a, a hell of a head coach. Uh, so my rookie year, I kind of took it on the chin a lot um, uh, for the most part. Um, you know, they picked and prodded, you know, and they laughed at me, you know, the fat kid from Louisiana, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I took it in stride and uh, didn't really let it bother me. Kind of let it roll off my back, to be honest with you. But uh, what it did do for me was, was motivate me to be better, uh, be a better person, better player, um, define myself as a leader, uh, and let my play speak for itself. And I think as you watch the progression of my career uh, from 1983 to 1986, uh, every season I not only got better, every season I was probably the best player on our defense. Jerry, just what. I just want to follow up one quick one with Lenny. Lenny, how did you go from, I think you had like a half a sack from 83 to 15 and a half in 85. How did you develop so quick in two years that you go from, you know, a half a sack, whatever, yeah. and to this dominant defensive end? Well, the beauty of it was in, in 83 in the offseason when Bill Parcells was going to lose his job, he came to me early on in the offseason. He said, Leonard, are you going to stay here this offseason? I said, of course I am. I said, I don't want to get bigger, faster, stronger. I'm hoping that you guys hire a strength coach, someone that I can relate to, and someone that I can more or less establish some uh, some camaraderie, camaraderie with in this locker room. They interviewed three guys, and one of the three guys they interviewed was my strength coach from LSU, a guy named Johnny Parker. Parker and I bonded immediately, and I said to Johnny, I said, Johnny, you take this job, I guarantee you I'll be the first guy in here every morning you open this weight room and the last guy to leave when you leave down there every day. And exactly what I promised him I'd do, I'd do. So the, the, the evolution of Leonard Marshall began with the introduction of Johnny Parker into the giant organization. And I said to Bill, I said, Bill, there's one or two things going to happen if you hire Johnny Parker over these other two guys. And I don't know who these other two guys are, but I'll tell you what he did at LSU. Either you worked your ass off to get better or he got rid of you. So a lot of these guys that you see around here now, they won't be around here in 84. In 84, my second season as a Giant, I end up with eight and a half quarterback sacks. I make the winning play in the playoff game against the Rams to beat the Rams in L.A. by tackling Dwayne Crutchfield on a fourth and a yard from, the, from, the, from, the, from damn near the two-yard line. Right. And, 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 and our team evolves. We play San Francisco next week. Now, we weren't good enough to beat San Francisco, but it was just proving to ourselves that we were a better football team 
than we were the year before. We draft Carl Banks and William Roberts in the first round. Both those guys become players, become two of my best friends because they end up living in Harmon Cole Towers. And in 85, we turn around, we draft Gary Reason and a couple other defensive players that come along. Um, I'm Like you said, I'm NFL Defensive Lineman of the Year. I'm NFC Defensive Player of the Year, uh, MVP of the team. The first time on a defense with Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson. So that alone speaks to the evolution of Leonard and how hard I worked to become that player. Leonard, talk about um, playing for Belichick. I know you, you touched on Parcells, but uh, the influence of him and, and his defense and what you know he brought to the table and how he helped you become you know the, the dominant force on the right end there. Jerry, Bill Belichick. Well, when the, when the time comes, that trophy is going to be called the Belichick Award. I promise you that. <laughs> and I would tell people this, and they wouldn't believe me. The guy is football Urkel. He doesn't do anything but more than sleep, eat, drink, think football. And, 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 and it was the funniest shit that he would do because he would actually be in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the gym on the treadmill or on the life step looking at film and watching the game plan and, 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 and scheming offensive pass, pass defenses and um, passing schemes and then coming back and meeting with us after we got through lifting weights. But let's talk about the X's and O's a little bit. And so I knew early on that this guy was headed for greatness, and I knew early on that if we didn't buy into what he was trying to do, we would have never been successful. Yeah because he was a man who was deep into football integrity, deep into leadership and leading men, and big into do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. The way I tell you to do it, and you'll be successful. And that's what Lawrence and Harry did for me as a young player. They showed me that he was the guy that I could entrust. Lenny, that, that 85 playoff loss to the Bears. How, how much did that hurt? You know, talking, we, we've had Bavaro on, Pepper, you know, and all that, and so many guys, like, you know, they'd be like, yo, Chris, well, Jerry, we we had those. We They were good, but we were right there. How much did that loss hurt, Lenny? That loss, that loss hurt me a lot. It, it hurt me. I think it hurt every guy on our defense because we thought we could keep pace with them defensively. We didn't think we could keep pace with them on the other side of the ball because they had guys that were dogs on the other side, yeah. and they were ferocious dogs looking for, you know, looking for fresh meat. And, um, you know, I thought they intimidated our offensive line, to be honest with you. I thought that Richard Dent, Dan Hampton, Fridge, Steve McMichael, Otis Wilson, Wilbur Marshall, uh, and Mike Singletary, I just thought that they intimidated our front, our front five or front seven on offense to the point where we had a defeatist attitude. I mean, if you go back and look at the film and look at the game, uh, defensively, they didn't do very much. They scored one touchdown. We gave them a touchdown with the, with the block punt thing. Yeah. And we gave them another touchdown with the interception or fumble to Wilbur Marshall. So, you know, it wasn't like they really kicked our tail, kicked our tail. You know, we just we kind of gave the game away on mistakes. I think we learned a lot from that game as a football team. We learned who we are, what we need to do to get better, and how we can do it. And that meant challenging our offense and beating daylights out of them every time we could, the way the Bears beat them that day, to make them remember what it felt like. And I think that whole offseason, when I go back and think about it, that whole offseason, we had almost 46 – of the 52 guys come back to train with Johnny Parker. And the guys made a commitment to get bigger, faster, stronger, and more competitive. And it and it just it just transitioned over in the training camp. You gotta remember in 86, we drafted six defensive players. So as good as we thought we were in 85, we weren't as great as we thought we That's were. We point. didn't have the depth. Yeah. We didn't have the depth. So we get a cornerback in Mark Collins, we get three defensive linemen in Eric Howard, Eric Dorsey. And, uh, and John Washington, my backup. Yep. And then we get a linebacker out of Pepper Johnson. 
and we get a, a cornerback slash safety in Greg Lasker. So those guys all became players on our defense, on our special team. And, and that was big for us. Yeah. Um, so I want to stay on 85 real quick. When you said when you played the 49ers in 84, you kind of knew like, you know, they're, look, they're 15 and one. They're, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're a great team. But you did play them a lot better in the playoffs than you did that Monday night that year. So when you played them in 85 in the, in the wild card game, were you like, all right, we got these guys. This is, this is our time now. Revenge. What was your thought process? Well, I, San Francisco, they were always the team to beat out the West. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the Rams. Um, and there was really nobody else out the West that you could think of. I mean, you know, the Cardinals weren't that great. Um, and, and some of the others were just kind of like, uh, you know, the Chargers were okay. They weren't great. Mm -hmm. And Seattle was just trying to find a way to, to get better and win games. But they weren't really no world beater either. Mm -hmm. So we knew the Niners were the team that we would have to beat to get to the Super Bowl uh, almost every season. They were well coached, well versed, they had a tremendous amount of athletic ability, and they were real fierce competitors. And um, we made it our business to really show them every time we played them that if you guys got to get to the Super Bowl through New York, it's going to be one hell of a task to do that. Yeah. Lenny. We had Mark Bovaro on, I yes. guess, about a year ago now, right, Jerry? We had yeah. Bovaro on. And he came right out and said it, Lenny. He said, hey, F the 49ers. He says, I, can't, I couldn't stand them. He came right out. <laughs> Lenny, Lenny, he, we didn't even ask him about it. He just came out and says, hey, F them. I couldn't stand those guys. So, Lenny, I got to yeah. ask you, my man. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was a rivalry. Listen, let's face it. You guys met in the playoffs numerous times. Um, yeah. How did you feel? Were they, did they come across as that little arrogance and all that? Did you like them? Did you couldn't stand them? What was the story with you? I, I respected the 49ers because I had to. They had, they had great players on on both sides of the ball for them. Uh, I had the utmost respect for Ronnie Lott, um, uh, Charles Haley, um, um, Matt Millen, uh, yeah, and a couple of their other defensive players. Um, uh, I loved the, the way that um, – I'm trying to remember his name. Dwayne Board. Dwayne Board. Uh, Dwayne Board was their yeah. right defensive end. Defensive end, uh, yeah. I, I used to watch him a lot mm -hmm. because he was an undersized guy, but I thought that his technique in terms of playing the run defense and playing a two-gap technique right. for a 265-pound guy, he wasn't a bad football player. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Kevin Fagan, uh, I watched a lot. Michael Carter I knew from high school. Michael Carter and I went back all the way back to high school. Okay. I threw a shot put against Michael Carter. Uh, he's a Texas guy. So um, yeah. so I knew a little bit about him. Um, on the other side of the ball, Guy McIntyre, um, I, oh. I love to death. Yeah. He, he and my little brother Byron are the best of friends today. Um, and he to works this, for the 49 To this day, Lenny? To this day? Yeah, to this day. Oh, okay. To this right. day, he and my little brother are very close. All right. He works for the 49ers. Guy's a great guy. Um, Good I'm God. going to have a conversation with him in, in, the, in the immediate future. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of respect for Bubba Paris uh, <laughs> because I thought Bubba Paris was a lazy, fat football player, and uh, <laughs> and I and I thought that uh, you know he was a cheap shot artist, and um, you know it pissed me off in a couple games that we played that you know the guys beat clean and decided to take cheap shots, you know, at, at, at myself and at Lawrence. And, um, you know, players that did that kind of stuff, man, I, I didn't have much respect for. We're just out there trying to earn a living. You know, if, if you don't like the way we kick your ass, compete. <laughs> you know, nice. it's that simple. Yeah. Did you take – so, Lenny, I, I'm going to assume we'll go out on a ledge here. <laughs> go ahead. And say go you ahead. took great pleasure in destroying them in 86. Oh, no doubt. I took great pleasure in destroying them in 86. Matter of fact – I forget what game it was. Chalk that up to CTE. I forget the game where Jerry Rice fumbles the ball. He catches the ball, and he's running for a touchdown, yeah. and he fumbles the ball in front of him, yeah. and we recover it. And I think it turns into a 45-3 to three day. Was that 85 or 86? 86? That was 86, Lenny. Okay, 86. Okay, so that season, I couldn't have been happier because after the game was over, a friend of ours owned a limo company called Teterboro Limousine. His name is Chicky Centrella. And I asked Chick, I said, Chick, did you pick up the, uh, um, uh, what's his name, uh, the Bartolo after the game? He says, Leonard, he destroyed my car. 
he yanked the, the freaking phone off the damn wall and the, the, the damn um, backseat of the car. Really? He was so pissed that you guys beat him the way you did, and you beat him decisively, and you embarrassed him in New York. I go, you know what? I hope that five-and-a-half-hour ride back home is a <laughs> real comfortable one for him. <laughs> Nice. I love that. I love that story. That's great. It couldn't happen to a better guy than that bastard. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Love it. Love that you still feel that way. Um, So you brought up, I was going to go into 86, but you brought up something about Bubba Paris. Of all the lines you went against, of all the guys, all the, I guess, left tackles that you went up against, who was the the toughest? Who was the the toughest for you? Dude, you guys are going to be surprised at this. I played Anthony Munoz. I played um, Joe Jacoby. Mm-hmm. I played Louis Sharp. Yeah. I played Gary Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. I played damn near every Rush Grimm. I could go name <clears throat> name players of the players. The guy that gave me the most hell, and he became my team, joined the Redskins, was Jim Lachey. Oh, Jim and Lachey. Jim Lachey. And Jim Lachey's game was was was, was both physical and aggressive. But it was also, um, it was a head game with Jimmy. He knew he wasn't going to beat me every play. But he knew that if he could win one out of three downs, that it would convince me to maybe think a little bit. So, and it did. And it worked. You Interesting. Know, so I was, I was constantly, every time we played the Redskins, I was very conscious of him not winning on certain downs. Whether it was in the running game or in the passing game, but more the running game, I wanted to take his ability to block the corner of our defense or the end of the, the end of our defense where Lawrence and I were. I didn't want them to be able to run the football outside of Lawrence and I. I wanted them to have to run the football inside of us because I knew that Harry was just going to go in there with that big old ass head and just you know <laughs> you just. Uh, and you you would have needed a bulldozer to block Harry, so especially one on one. So I, I I knew that Harry would be in as as stout and as tough, and I knew Jimmy Burt was going to get hip to hip with me, so I didn't have to worry about that. But Jimmy Lachey was probably the toughest player I played against uh, in my career. Lenny, I, Lenny, I got to be honest with you, I would have never have thought that. Never was yes. he, Lenny. Did you guys talk a lot during the course of the game? Was did Lachey Yes, we talk? did. Yes, we. But not talk crap. We talked about he hit me in the butt going back to hell. Yeah, you won that one. <laughs> you know, I go, oh yeah, Jimmy, that was a good one, man. You go, you got that left hand in there on me, okay? You know, so you know we would do that kind of thing. I knew it was a head game. I knew it was a head game. But for me, playing a talent like that and playing a guy that respected me like that showed to me showed me that a he watched the film, he prepared to play me. He knew I prepared to play him and whoever was lined up next to him. And in, and in most cases, it was him and Stinky. Um, um, Schlerer. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Mark, Mark, Mark Schlerer, yeah. or however you say his last name. Schlerer, um, yeah, whatever, yeah. Both those guys became my teammates when I joined the Redskins in, in, 90, in 94. And, uh, you know, love popping a couple of beers open with him after practice and having a few laughs and talk about the old games and everything else, but. Those guys are great teammates, man. They were also really good guys. And today, I have the utmost respect for both of them. Lenny, you know, Lenny, obviously, when you hear your name, everybody thinks about sacks. You know, you had over 80 sacks. Everybody thinks sacks. But you were an excellent run defending end. Did you take great pride in that, Lenny, how, how well you played the run? I did. And I'll tell you why I did it. You know, Jim Burt had a lot of influence on on the way I played the run early on because I would watch the technique that he played with. You know, Jimmy was an undersized guy. If Jimmy was 5'11", that was a lot. Hmm. You know, he put 6'1 in the program, but hmm. trust me, he's 5'11". Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what the thing was with him is he taught me leverage and he taught me how to play with leverage. And, and he was such a talent with his hands. He knew how to use his hands. Hand placement was unbelievable. And so George Martin would tell me in practice, just watch Jimmy. Watch watch the way Jimmy used his hands, Leonard. You know, learn from Jimmy. And George Martin had a lot of influence on my success, fellas. Um, 
because he, he made me early on become a student of the game. He made me see the forest despite the trees. You know, the, the guy that coached us, Lamar Leachman, was a real pain in the ass. Yeah, I heard that. I mean, yeah. But he was a stickler. Yeah. He was a stickler for, for um, um, integrity, football integrity. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, you know, in the way I teach it to you. And if you do that, you'll be successful. I, the stubborn kid from Louisiana, who was used to being the big physical dominant lineman in college, had to find out that everyone's big, fast, and strong in the NFL, Leonard, and you're not going to be able to get away with what you did in college in the NFL because right. they're just as smart, they're just as fast, they're just as strong, and they're just as physical. So I had to learn that early on. I think George, I don't think, I know George had a lot of influence on that. Lawrence and Harry also had a long, lot of influence on that. You know, and I learned a lot from those guys, man. And I can honestly tell you, you know, whether I'm first, second, or third in team history and quarterback sacks, a lot of that success is attributed to playing with such great players and great men that those guys were. Those guys were great men. Yeah. They were great teammates as a result of being great men, but they were great men. Let Lenny. George Martin seemed to be the go-to guy with Paul Sells, right? He seemed to be the guy who told Bill, hey, this is what's going on in the locker room and all that. Was he that much of a leader in the locker room that you guys looked up to him that way? Lenny, like George, like he was the older guy, he was the veteran, and he was also the leader. Was he that big of a leader in the locker room, Lenny? He was that big of a leader. And I think that the, for the most part, that's because Bill really respected him. Right. Uh, you know, when, when, when George opened his mouth and spoke, you know, um, um, Bill listened. Um, the whole coaching staff listened. And for us, you know, it was it was critical to have a guy like that because, you know, you could take a team and beat them up and beat them down and, and destroy them, or you could take a team and impose your will on them in a positive manner and get the greatest success out of them that anyone could think of. And I think that George and Harry both, that's why I called them captain and co-captain. Those two guys had a major influence on the outcome of our team from 1984 through 1986. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to hear the kind of guys that you played with and the respect right. for each other. That's, that's, look, man, we always say Chris and I are fans, Leonard, so cover the team. But to hear that, that's, uh, that's special. Um, I, I just I want to touch on 86 a bit. Uh, because it was, I mean, it's such a great year for Giant fans. But sure. go, going through that year, um, were you guys, and especially after 85, were you like kind of Super Bowl or bust and you felt like this was the year it was all kind of going to kind of come together? The offensive side of the ball got better. Like, did you just feel it that year? We did. We felt it going into training camp, to be honest with you, because yeah. like I said, you know, we had 40, 47 players in the offseason program. Lifting weights, running, looking at each other, seeing each other every day. Guys out there catching the ball, you know. Guys out there catching balls off the jug machine, hmm. you know. The guy, the punt returners, the kick returners, all that stuff. You know, guys challenging each other in races. You know, we, 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 you know, this guy Parker made it fun to come to the weight room to work out. You know, and, and back in those days, I, I had a job. Maurice Carthen, Zeke Mowat, and I, all, all three of us had jobs hmm. working in the Meadowlands. You know, I worked in a racetrack. Maurice worked in the stadium. Zeke did something in the stadium. You know, uh, hmm. you know, and we saw a lot of each other. And I think that 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 combined with some of the team meals. You know, the one thing that Bill Parcells did that I thought was really cool was he want we didn't want to have a divided locker room. We didn't want to have a segregated locker room. We want to have a locker room that was included and built upon inclusion. And so we challenged the players to get to know something about the opposite, the, the guy of opposite skin color. You know, I right. want you to know what, right. who Brad Benson's wife is. I want yes. you to know who Billy Ard's wife is. I want Billy Ard to know who your son and your daughter is, or who your mother, where you come from, what type of food you eat, hmm. what movies you like. You know, because the, the more cohesiveness, the more love, efforts that you create, the more ability you get out of players. We did this thing when we went to Charlie's. Beef Steak Charlie's was a restaurant in Bergen yeah. County. Yeah. And we would go to Beef Steak Charlie's once or twice 
a month as a team. And Parcells would pick up the bill. And he used the fine money to pay for it. So when players are overweight, <laughs> players are okay. late to meetings, players did whatever, he'd take that fine money and he'd use that fine money and say, hey, guys, go out and have a damn good time tonight. Go drink. Go eat your ass off. Those bills would be ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. Those restaurants loved it. But the players really loved it because guys would go home with pictures of kamikaze in their hand and, you know, uh, uh, ribs and steak and potatoes and, nice. you know, guys, guys, some guys would take enough food for the whole week if you were cheap, you know, <laughs> you do that. But it was fun because the players really got a chance to get to know each other and, uh, and it dispelled that myth of, uh, of a divided locker room, guys. And, and I loved it. Because I was a kid that came from Louisiana. We didn't have that at LSU. I was just going to ask that. You know, we didn't have that at LSU. You know, our team was very united. We were, we were a team that, you know, uh, I was one of the leaders of that team. I was MVP of that team my senior year. Uh, I used to throw parties for the team after games. Actually, I used to DJ the parties, <laughs> which, is, which is real cool. Okay. Uh, so I was big into that kind of stuff. So when all that came about with the Giants, made me very happy because I said, you know, if you guys are going to work together, you might as well know something about each other and yep. know some more more about each other than what kind of car you drive, yeah. what kind of dog you got, that kind of crap. I tell you, that's a great story, Lenny. If we could only do that in, in today's society, right, Lenny, we'd be a better yes. freaking world, right? Be a better world, man. Be a better freaking world, better brother. World, bro. Lenny, be a much better world. yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we need to do in that's what we need to do in today's world, Lenny. Get to know each other, brother. You know what I mean? Right, right. I tell my, my wife says it all the time. You know, my wife's Italian, so uh, she says it all the time. She says that's the biggest problem, Leonard, is, is people trust and verifying. Yeah. You know, just trust and verify it. Yeah. Lenny, I couldn't agree. Well, I'm Italian, too, as you know. I couldn't agree more with your wife, brother. Right, right. You know, right. You know what? You know what? Who gives a shit what color skin? Get to know the person. That's Get what, to know the person. That's what that's freaking right. matters, bro. You that's know? right. That's right. Lenny, I got to tell you this quick story. So I was a season ticket holder. I'm there in 86 against the Redskins, the championship game, okay? Right. I got to tell you this story, brother. So listen, Lenny, you guys all know what you did for the fan base. Maybe you did, but you guys were young kids. I'm sure at the time you didn't realize, but we never thought we would see that, Lenny, okay? Okay. I was there in okay. the 70s. I'm 55 years old, Lenny. I was there in the 70s when they used to get the shit kicked out of them every week and all that, right? Okay. So as you know, it was a... You remember, uh, you know, windy day, all that stuff blowing all over the damn place. And I'm all of a sudden at the end of the game, Lenny, we look at Jay Schrader and he collapses on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Right? Lenny, listen, I was in section 306. Uh, our section, there was guys in our section saying, holy shit, they killed Jay Schrader. He's dead. They <laughs> Lenny, we literally thought. That you guys killed him. That he was done on the sideline. Because he collapses on the sideline. And we see guys holding him up. And he carried him over to the bench. Lenny, did you see that at the time that he collapsed on the sideline? Uh, we saw some corruption going on over there. We didn't know what it was. You know, we, we saw there was some corruption going on over there. But we didn't, had no idea what was going on. I can honestly tell you this. The guy took some shots that day. Oh. I mean, oh. I, I, I mean, I sacked him one time. I sacked him and went upside his head. Like a karate chop upside his head, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it was. It, I didn't mean to do it that way. It just happened that way, you know. Uh, yeah, okay. Me trying, to, me, me, <laughs> me trying to strip him of the ball, but it, it was. It, let me tell you something. The guy took a lot of hits, man. He took a lot of hits. <laughs> no, you That's guys. Funny. No, you guys effed him up that day. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, your, your sack did cause a fumble at the towards the yes, end of that game. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yes, I did. see Schrader holding the ball over his head, and he <laughs> whacked it out of his hand. Um, Len, I got to ask about the you know the next couple of years. Uh, you had the strike short in season '87. You had a pretty good team in '88. Do you feel like there was some opportunity lost in between that Super Bowl and the '91? That's funny you bring that up. You know, I thought the '86 Giants had four Super Bowls in it. Yeah. I thought that we should have been a, a a better repeater in '87. I felt like after 87, a strike-ridden strike, strike ridden season, yeah. I thought 88, we could come back with a vengeance. When we didn't come back with a vengeance, I felt that we put a chip on our shoulder to be that team in 89. Yeah, I felt that in 89, that we could have been that team. 
And then as a result of what happened, the Flipper Anderson catch, hmm. which was on a day that we thought we just owned the Rams. Owned we them. owned them. We owned, owned them. them. Yep. And all of a sudden, this guy catches a pass and runs out the stadium. And I could almost see it today. He's still probably still running. Uh, <laughs> and I said to myself, man, how did we let that get away from us? And I think that that's, that, that moment, the Flipper Anderson catch, really opened our eyes and said, you know what, guys? You, you guys took your eye off the prize. And I think that that's what motivated that team to come back and, and really compete in 1990. Yeah. I mean, and I got to be honest with you. I mean, I didn't think I was going to be a giant in 1990. I was trying to get my agent to get me traded to the New Orleans Saints because I wanted to go play with Pat Swelling and Ricky Jackson and, yeah. and all those guys with the Saints. I thought they right. had a defense that was emerging, and I thought I could fit right in and being home and everything else, I could save a whole bunch of money. <laughs> and I said, you know what? What could be better than to go home? But I held out a training camp. I came back with a vengeance, and uh, I ended up making probably – the biggest player in Giant history to win a championship in the sack on Montana in the NFC championship game. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and I'm NFC defensive player of the month and, and we're going to another Super Bowl. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy about the evolution of the 86 team. I'm sad that that team didn't win two more championships though. Yeah. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, who will tell you this? Not just me. Phil Sims will tell you the same thing. Yeah. He'll tell you the same thing. Lenny, Lenny, Lenny we had Mark Collins on. Mark yeah. Collins to right. this day. We had him on the podcast. And you see him, when you hear him talk about 89, to this day, he's pissed off about it. He still sticks in his side. Like he was, yeah. he actually told us a story. Lenny, he told us a story. He saw Jim Everett, I think. That offseason is some function, or, or maybe a year later, and Everett was like kind of, you know, breaking his chops a little bit. And Mark Collins goes, yeah, did you win anything? Yeah. Well, yeah. show me the ring. He went like that. He was, still, right. he was still pissed off. And, right. and Con- you know what? It must have been after 90 because I think Collins says, hey, I got two rings. What do you have? You went right. like that? Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, he, and, and you know what? In, in, in Mark's defense, I mean, you know, you know Mark played, played, probably played to play the best he could. He didn't think he had that much arm. He was the hurt. Wind was in it, the, yeah. Yeah, the, and the win was in Everett's favor. And and like he said, what'd they go on to win? They went they went on to win nothing. Yeah. And he was hurt that game. But but Lenny, look, Lenny, I know you've been to Exodus a thousand times, but this is the first time we've you know, we we were fortunate enough to talk to you. And look, we gotta ask you, brother, the, the Montana hit, you know, I know this is one of the most famous plays in playoff history. That hit, Lenny. Take us through it a little bit. Did you think you killed Montana after you hit him? I, I, I tell you, yeah, I, I really thought the guy was dead. I got to be honest with you. And, 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 but, you know, if, if you go back and look at the play, it is what coaches teach. You know, Second it is effort. what coaches teach. Second effort, Second never effort. give up on the play. Never give up on the play. So I'm slip, I fall, Tom Rathman dives at my knees, I'm crawling. And all of a sudden I crawl and I get up and I say, oh, he's got the ball. Here we go. And I take off, and the next thing you know, I, something said, Leonard, look at his left hand. He extends his left hand to tell Jerry Rice to keep running. So right when I saw him extend that left hand, I said, you, if you don't leave your feet, it's over. And when I left my feet, I knew it was over for him. You know, and, and to be honest, people always say, you know, you tried to physically hurt Montana, destroy his career. If I, if I land my helmet six inches lower, Chris, the guy would have never had sex again for the rest no, of his life. No, no, he would have been done. I would have broke his. I would have broke his back. He would have been conscious done. of that. In the moment, I was conscious of that. Yeah. All I want to do is separate him from the ball. Yeah. We make the biggest play in probably football history, and we go on and win the ball game. I wasn't trying to hurt that man. Yeah. Lenny, yeah. Lenny, you know, Lenny, I've heard that before, and I'm quick to say that's bullshit. I said because. First off, like you said, they did the improv route with Rice. You know, Montana's waving them. They're doing that improv. They're doing that scramble route. Rice is taking off. And then Montana has to dodge one guy. I forget who it was. Comes back into you a little bit. in front of him. And then you had your opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, had my opportunity. Boom. I say, coaches, you couldn't have taught this better. if, if, If I'm a coach, I'm taking that to teach young defensive linemen. Here's a guy who never gave up on the football play. Here's what it looks like. Yeah. Right. So it, it can be done. So, yeah. you know, 
And, and, and Lenny, like you said, Lenny, like you said, Lenny, if you were to hit him lower, if you really wanted to f him up, really hurt him, you hit him lower. He's in a, he might be in a wheelchair. God forbid, he might he be in a damn wheelchair today, Lenny. He would have been in a body cast and, and, and probably in a wheelchair the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. And, and it was and look, there was nothing. There was no that. There was none of that helmet. You know, to no. leading with the crown crap back then. No. That was a clean hit. That was just a ferocious, no. clean hit, Lenny. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And it was a it, it was a play that, you know, it was indicative of that game. I mean, you know, their guy, Jim Burt, who was one of our guys. That's right. You know, you know, he made a tried to make a play for his team. Yeah. He hit Jeff Hostello mm. on his knee. Low, yeah. Just went out to, to hit Jeff low and, and, and try to break Jeff's leg. But right. it, the look of it looked like he tried to break Jeff's leg. Yeah. So no. as as a football team, the players are saying, "Well, if we get their chance to hit their guy, yeah. we're really going to give it to him." And I kept saying to myself, "The opportunity presents itself, fellas. Just yeah. play hard. Let Just keep playing. That's all you got to do is keep playing." The, the best part of that play, I mean, the hit was amazing, but the fact that you were on the ground, literally crawling to get back up. I, I mean, Giant fans, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you have, most of you have, but watch it again. Literally on the ground, get up, and then drill him. Like you said, Chris, LT yep. cuts in front, so he's got to stop. Was it, it LT, was, Jerry? Yeah, I don't remember. Was it LT? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was perfect. Uh, it, was, it was LT, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect I thought Mark score. Collins was going to catch it in the air running in for a touchdown. I said, oh, this is going to be the most yeah, he, football history. Right. The, yeah. the 49ers recovered. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Steve. Oh, uh, oh I, I, I. Lenny, I break Mark Collins' shops about that on Twitter all the time. But can't you pick up the damn fumble? I break a- <laughs> me, me and Mark go back and forth on Twitter all the time. Mark is, Mark is a gem. Love Mark. He's Love him funny, with a passion. Chris. He is so funny, Chris. He is the funniest. I'll tell you, when he, when he was a rookie, man, we used to tease the shit out of each other when he was a rookie. Because uh, he came in, he had this MC Hammer haircut. And he had, you know, you couldn't yes. figure out. I used to tease him. I said, yeah. when you go to the barber shop, the barber must go, what the hell you got going on there? You got a fade, you got a jerry curl, you got a this, you got a that. And then you got lines in your head. What the hell is going on with that? <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Leonard, next game, Super Bowl, Belichick comes to you with this game plan where basically it says, look, we're going to let Thurman Thomas get his yards. What was your feeling there, being the, the prideful defensive end? Did you think he was nuts? Did you like the game plan? What were your thoughts, man? I thought he was bananas, and I said, <laughs> "I said, can I get in shape in a week? <laughs> can I get That's better great. shape in a week?" Yeah. So I would run after practice. I would run, literally run, probably you know a quarter mile to no, I'd say probably probably a half a mile after every practice, just to get in shape for that game because I knew. That Eric Howard and I were going to play, yeah. I don't know most of the football games, yeah. just the two of us. Yeah. You know, we didn't have we didn't have anybody else to go in and play the game. Right. So, I've never been that I've never been that tired in my life, fellas. <laughs> you know, two a two five four defensive scheme. You're going to take the best running back in football that season, yeah, and give him 180 yards, and you're still going to win the game. I would have never thought that. Just goes to show you who that guy is. Yeah. Lenny, Carl Banks told me that when they got that game plan, he was so pissed, Banks. He was fuming that they were going to allow him to get, you know, his yards on the ground, Thurman, that he went to his room. He was stewing. He didn't even want to talk to Belichick. That's how pissed off he was at that game plan. Yeah. At first. At first. Yeah, at first. At first. Right. Now, I was the same way. I was just, Bill, you expecting me to play left defensive end? You expect me to line up on a 390-pound tackle? Right. That guy, how, that guy Ballard outweighs me by 100 pounds. Why the hell do you expect me to play that guy all day long in a run game? He's going to throw me around like a rag doll. I said, come on. It's, <laughs> come on. But you know what? It worked out. It worked out. We bought into it, and it worked out. Lenny, Lenny, talk about that part. Just talk quickly about, you know, the game plan was, Belichick was to punish their receivers, man. When they run those crossing routes, I want the, he wanted you, you know obviously the back end and the linebackers to destroy those receivers. How far, how great was that, Lenny? When you heard that, that was really good because because I tell you, and you could see it in their face, Chris. When they come back to the huddle, you could see them grimacing that you know I'm tired of getting hit by Pepper Johnson. I'm tired of getting hit by Carl Ben. I'm tired of getting hit by Dave Durson. I'm tired of guys blindsiding me. I'm tired of three, four guys hitting me on the sideline. You can see it, man. You can see it in their face. And it was great. Yeah. I got to tell you, it was great. Yeah. 
uh, Carl Banks told me that he hit Reed one time so hard. He says after that, he said you could tell Reed didn't have it in his. Uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Reed. I'm sorry, Andre Reed. He hit him so hard once, Lenny, that he could tell in his eyes after that he didn't have it in him anymore. No, it was a crossing route. I remember in the third quarter. I remember right. it was a crossing route. Yeah, yeah. I remember they crisscrossed. They crisscrossed Reed and Lofton, and Carl caught him right across the middle. I said, ooh, like one of the Whirly Bird hits. You know, his body kind of did one of them numbers. Right. Yeah, I, I, let me tell you something. I, I'm just going to say this. Those guys had no idea in Tampa, Florida. They thought they were just going to come in and it was going to be a track meet. They were going to come in and score 50 points and beat the living shit out of us. They had no idea. No idea. Leonard, uh, after the Super Bowl, Parcells leaves. And I, I just want to ask what your perspective was on the next two years because, again, look, maybe I'm wrong, but I still felt like, especially because of, of what happened in 93 where you're still competitive and, look, you weren't with it with that team then. But in 91-92, like, playing under Ray, going from Parcells to Hanley, I, you know, I think Giant fans want to know, like, I, I mean, how was that experience? Like, did you, and, and did you still think you had some – had a run in you guys? Man, we still had a bunch of gas in our tank. Yeah. I mean, we still had a bunch of gas in our tank. You got to remember, the same team that we had in 90 returned in 91. Yeah. There was only maybe one to two players that weren't there. So, you know, I felt that the defection of Parcells uh, and Belichick not getting a chance to become the head football coach uh, at the time um, – really did a number on the organization. Yeah. You know, the players, the players, you know, we accepted Ray Hanley because we had to. He was forced on our throat. But when he brought in a, a joke defensive coordinator, Rod Rust, yeah. who never was successful in New England, never was successful anywhere else he went, and now he's going to come here and try to be successful here? I mean, for the first four weeks of the season, we played his defensive scheme until one day Pepper Johnson steps in the huddle and he says, Leonard, the hell with him. Let's play stack cover two, guys, and let's play it until they decide they're going to do something to beat us. And you guys on the line, you look at the pass rush schemes, you look at the blocking schemes, and you decide what you want to do pass rush-wise, and we'll put it on the run. And that's what we end up doing in 91. I mean, I end up making my third Pro Bowl. I had 11 and a half quarterback sacks. Uh, in, a, in a defensive scheme that I didn't think made any sense whatsoever. Go we, used call, we used to call him read and react rust. There it is. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, read and react yep. rust. Because it was horrible, man. It was the most horrible football experience I had. 36 weeks of football, well, 32 weeks of football, 42 weeks of football if you count the preseason, that it just didn't make sense, fellas. Yeah, and I, I, I think I remember the game, what you're talking about. I think it was against Kansas City because I saw Banks is taking, um, taking the oxygen on the sidelines. Pepper Johnson's yelling over at Rod Rust. I remember that. I, I'm pretty sure it was against the Kansas City Chiefs where that happened. So, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, and that's what everybody felt like. You went to this read and react defense from Belichick. Like, you still had talent on this defense. So Yeah, we still had a lot of talent. We had, you know, we had Pepper. We had Gary. Yeah. We had Carl. We had uh, uh, most of the guys come back yeah. on the front. Uh, Eric Howard, myself, Dorsey, Washington. Yep. Uh, we had maybe one or two new players, but, you know, we had our secondary come back. Um, we just were a better football team than that. And and the Giants didn't do nothing to help us. They didn't do anything to help us. They didn't say, okay, let's scrap the defensive coordinator, bring in a new guy, or let somebody else, you know. And, and I felt bad because – you know, I loved Romeo Cornell. Hmm. Playing for Romeo, playing for Romeo, and I told Romeo his first year as a coach, I said, Romeo, I'm going to play my ass off for you. I said, all I'm going to ask you to do is support me. Just support me. I yeah. said, my skills haven't diminished, Romeo. I'm still the best defensive lineman here, and I'm going to be the best defensive lineman here until I decide to leave. I said, I just don't want to die when I leave. Yeah. I, I don't want to be the guy to leave. I want to be the guy to retire as a New York Giant. And because of what happened with Ray Hanley, that became the reason why Leonard Marshall decided no longer to be a giant. Yeah. Well, Lenny, Lenny, that was a pretty well-known, you know, dust-up you had with Ray Hanley back in the day. 
Um, you know, was it just the frustration that boiled over with you and Hanley and a lot of players with Hanley? I think a lot of players with Hanley. I think I think a lot of players didn't really understand Ray and 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 his thinking and his terminology and the processing of, of wins and losses. We just didn't understand it. You know, we just didn't understand him. You know, we didn't understand some of the calls he made, some of the things he did, some of the decisions he made. We didn't think they were, were solid, fundamental football decisions. It was almost like somebody else was in his ear telling him to do this shit, and, and he disagreeing to it, thinking, okay, let's see if it works. You know, well, this is the NFL. This ain't the damn WNFL where you practice on being the, the best. This is where the best play the best. Yeah. And if the best going to play the best, then you got to give them the best to be able to do that. So, what, 93, 94, you go to the, the Jets and the Redskins. Uh, what was the difference in those franchises from leaving the Giants? And, you know, I think you played the, the Giants in 93. So you had to take a little bit of, I guess, sweet revenge. The Jets actually beat the Giants that year. But, yes, I mean, we did. Yeah. So, I, you know, if you could just talk about, you know, playing there and, and what, were the, what were those experiences like for you? Well, to get the chance to play with, with a great player who I respected in Ronnie Lott and for us to become leaders of the Jet defense yeah. uh, that season was big for me. Um, and, and, you know, we, and we, you know, we inherited a, a decent quarterback, someone that we thought that we could win with, uh, someone that could give us, you know, five or six wins on offense. Perhaps we got five or six wins on defense. Um, the offense and the defense combined, we could be a team that goes in the playoffs and challenge. That was our plan, mm. and the plan was working well until week 12 or week 11 when I break my when I cracked my arm. Um, I cracked my arm December 4th, 1993, uh, against the Indianapolis Colts um, in the second quarter, and from that point on, our jet defense just went in the toilet. Yeah. We, we we couldn't finish games. We couldn't win games. The guy to play my position or the position that I inherited, which was the eagle tackle position that was played by Dennis Bird, which was a very active player yeah. in the scheme. Of so, you know, I really enjoyed my time with the Jets. Um, I enjoyed my time playing with Ronnie. The Hampton family, the people that work with the Jets were great to me. Mike Gerstley, um, 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 some of the other people that uh, were really good with me. Bruce Cosland, I wanted to win for Bruce in the worst way. Uh, I thought Bruce was a hell of a coach, a hell of a teacher. Hmm. Um, um, love and respect the hell out the guy. Uh, enjoyed my time with Pete Carroll. Thought he was the best. Um, um, one of the brightest minds in football, I felt at that time. A young Belichick, I thought of him as. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Not as polished as Belichick, but I thought of him as a young Belichick. Um, I just kind of felt bad. The Redskins thing was just the end of my career. Yeah. Uh, you know, football was just, at that point, it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. You know, playing with North, North Turner was a good football coach, a good football man, a bright offensive mind. They're another situation like Rod Russ. Ron Lynn and Rod Russ had worked together before. So you knew what the results were going to be. And players just didn't buy into what Ron Lynn was trying to teach. Yeah. You know, so we right. had a lot of young players running around on defense that right. didn't know what they were doing. They had no accountability. Uh, the team was so divided that, that it was probably the worst locker room that I'd ever been in. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris, it was bad. The black mm. players hang out with the black players. The white players hang out with the white players. And I'd be mm. like, guys, this is not cool. You guys got to get to know each other, man. Yeah. Right. How the hell you expect to compete and win with each other? You don't know each other. You guys got to get this shit together. And it just, it just, it finally, season, but right. I felt like it was so divided. And I didn't understand it. Until today, I don't understand it. Yeah. But me, I never, I, I just want you guys to know this. I never um, let any of that overcome who Leonard Marshall was. Yeah. I wanted to know everybody in that locker room 
everybody on that team, their wives, their spouses, their girlfriends, you know, their yeah. boyfriends, whatever they had going on. I wanted to know who was who and what was what. And and I left there with peace in my heart that I gave it my best. But I just thought that the Redskins was probably the most dismal situation in terms of pro football that I had ever walked into. Uh. Lenny, Lenny, you're not the only guy to ever you're not you're not the only guy to ever say that that, that went to Washington. Yeah. I, I, I can tell you, you know that, brother. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, Lenny, yeah. look, didn't feel right. Go ahead, Lenny. Um, Lenny, you know you've come out with your health issues. You you've been very outspoken about it. Um, do you like what the league is doing to try to protect players a little bit more today? Could you talk about that? Do you feel the league still has a long way to go? Do you feel they're even addressing or they even care about issues like CT or is just a lot of fluff going on? What do you think about that, Lenny? Great question. Well, you know, I don't know what's going on with CT right now. I mean, I, I know that there's still some stuff going on with the racial norming aspect of it. It's affected me and, 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 and my ability to get uh, things settled in terms of my estate right now. I'm in constant contact with my lawyer and, and doctors and everything else. Right. Um, you know, I receive treatment as often as I possibly can. I medicate every day. Um, you know, I, 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 I use uh, uh, some products medicinally that, uh, that are not favorable to a lot of people, but, you know, they're favorable to me. So, sure. you know, my private life, I keep my private life my private life. But I, what I will say is, is that uh, they need to find a better way to deal with that and, and to deal with those players. And, uh, and to be transparent with those players and their families. Um, what we did as players made us heroes. What we need now after the game is over is what makes us human. So the human side of it, there needs to be human intervention. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of disgruntled players that will be outspoken and that could pretty much um, create sour grapes for the National Football League. I'm not a guy that wants to do that. Like, I love the game of football. I've loved it since I was six, seven, eight, nine years old. Today, I watch it as often as I can. Life's a little bit busier now. Uh, but I watch it as often as I can, you know. Uh, I'll say that uh, it's a shame that a lot of players and families that played during my era are now dealing with issues associated with head trauma. It's another thing that players are now dealing with, you know, who they were as players, why they were players, what they did for organizations, um, and how the organizations has come to disrespect those players as a result of what they did as, as players. You know, case in point, I get a question, of, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, Leonard, why aren't you in the ring of honor with the New York Giants? You're a three-time pro bowler. You're a four-time all-NFL player. You've been three times. You're a defensive lineman of the year twice. You were MVP the team three times. You played opposite Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson. And your name is right there with those players. But yet you got players that do not statistically match up to what your successes are as a player. How come those guys are in the ring of honor and you're not? I can't answer that. The only answer I have for it is maybe because I have been outspoken about CTE. Maybe because I have been outspoken about players who don't have a voice that didn't play in big markets like New York that had a lot to do with the success of the NFL and what they need now is what makes them human. Maybe, maybe it's because, I don't know, um, I've taken such a stance and position when it comes to Listen, the game is different now. Teams don't run the football the way they did back when I played. Right. Passing game, the passing game is here. The, the owners and, and, and the media want you to score more points because they want to sell stuff. And if they sell stuff, they can pay for stuff. And they can pay for stuff because they got 16 to 25 different ancillary sources of income to come in and pay these players and pay for media and pay to get eyeballs on their game and improve the fan quality and fan parity associated with the sport and sell more memorabilia and more gear. 
So I understand that. What I'm not understanding is, is I guess why they haven't done the right thing by players that help build the game. Jerry? Yeah, I mean, Leonard, I, I don't know what to say. Um, look, we're, we're, giant, I mean, we're giant fans, and, you know, you look at the Ring of Honor, and it is, it is like you said, you, you get that question daily, and we hear it on Twitter. We hear it from giant fan friends of ours. I, it's just, it is what it is. I, I don't know either. Um, and yeah. and you, you bring up some amazing points. I guess my question for you, when you played, right? Like you look at what the NFL is at least trying to do now. And, and another thing is they, you know, taking away the kickoff, whereas if it hits the end zone, you don't return it, right? That saves a lot of big hits as well. When you played, were you, was that something that was on your mind then? Was it, was it talked about in the locker room? Like, you know, that one day, like it, it, was, a, it was going to be a concern for you guys, like head trauma and things like that. I'm just curious, like, because it's, it's, it's well talked about now. I just want to know if it was talked about at all back then. No, we never, I mean, we rarely talked about it. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, these coaches were crazy back then, fellas. I mean, coaches were like, you know, you get dinged. Oh, it's a ding. Get back in there. Rub yeah. some dirt on it. You know, be, you know, football players, big, tough guys, big, tough, strong, fast guys that, yeah. you know, this is what they're supposed to be uh, able to represent. So, you know, you, you, you see it from the, the sweat, the testosterone popping out your you know, your, your shirt all strung up, your biceps all pumped up, your triceps all pumped up. You know, Chris, that, that yep. was the deal. You yep. know, so, you know, you still see that, but you also see guys going, yeah, I mean, I want to get out of this real early. Like, you know, like Aaron Donald, who's now said, oh, I'm going to leave the league. You know, I've, I've done everything I want to do. I've made all my money. Yeah, right. You know, I've proven to myself everything I can do. I got my Super Bowl ring, so I can retire now. Now, there's going to be another guy to become Aaron Donald. We all know that. Yep. We just don't know who that is yet. Right. Because they're going to want they're going to want that guy to, to to step up so they can actually make money and sell tickets and sell all the other crap. But it's just the fact that you know that was not talked about when I played. You know. Um, if it was, it was talked about in the dark. Yeah. It was not talked about in the light. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for someone else. I, all I'll say is, there's probably a half a dozen to a dozen players that play with me at the Giants that have issues yeah. that they've kept their business private. Right. Um, um, they choose to keep it private, and I respect that. Uh, and if that works for them, it works for them. You know, it doesn't work for Leonard. Uh, that I, I keep it private, except for the way I treat myself. I keep private. If I if I didn't share with people, you know, my journey, that would be wrong of me. And I want parents to know what their kids up against yeah. who want to right. play football, especially play tackle football at yeah. an early age, Chris. You know, you and Jerry may have young children. You may not. I don't know. Uh, my kids are older. My son's an attorney. He's doing very well in life. My daughter nice. graduated school. She's doing very well in life. Good. You know, thank God that neither one of them decided to play sports. They wanted to go do something else with their lives. And I'm happy for that, uh, especially for my boy. But, uh, you know, it's I mean, it. it it brings a lot of emotion to me because, you know, what if I wasn't that guy? What if I was, you know, what if I was drooling from the mouth and, and right. had tremors and sitting here at 60 years old and I couldn't do this podcast with yeah. you guys? What would you think of me or the organization then? You wouldn't have too much love for that. So it's those players, guys, that I that I think about all the time and – and the, and the ones that are deceased because they couldn't take it. Like my teammate, Dave Durson. Dave Durson would be 60 years old. Yeah. Dave Durson had a, 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 a business with McDonald's that was an $80 million business. The guy decided to blow his brains out, man, because this world didn't make sense to him anymore. Need I Lenny, say more? Look, Lenny, it's such an emotional subject, brother. Yeah. Um, 
and look, we really appreciate you touching on it and getting into it a little bit because it yeah. is a, such a serious issue with guys that retired. And there's so many other guys, Lenny, out there that nobody even knows about, like you said. Guys keep Small it private. But, me, yeah. but, but Lenny, meanwhile, they're going through their own private hell every day. Yes, you know, sir. Um, yes, sir. And, and it's it, – it, look, Lenny, um, I appreciate it, man, you touching the subject because – you know, there's so many guys going through shit, bro. Like you said, you know, and all and all the money in the world. If they get all the money in the world, it's not going to help what they're going through every day, Lenny. You know? No, so, no. Um, no. So, hey, Lenny, you know, look, we we really appreciate. It. What are you doing these days, Lenny? Besides, you know, I know you're taking up some calls. Do you follow the Giants closely still? Do you watch I follow the Giants still. I follow the Giants still. I still go to games. Okay. I uh, I'm, I'm part of a company uh, called Joe Zone. Uh, with my dear friend Tom Maoli. Uh, we sell coffee and healthy foods and healthy snacks. Um, JoeZone.com. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. So I, uh, I get involved in projects. I play a little bit in the stock market. Um, okay. You know, uh, got a couple of irons in the fire uh, right now that uh, I continue to troll and watch. Uh, I'm having fun, man. I'm, I'm having fun at 60. It's a great, great time for me. That's, I, I, yeah. Uh, well, well, hey, Lenny, Good. quick question for you. If I remember right, you used to come out. I'm from Staten Island. You used to come out okay. to Staten Island, didn't you? Play a little basketball against teachers or something like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I got some friends that went to Widener College. My best oh. friend in the planet, Mr. Artie Zinicola, played baseball at Widener College. My other buddy, Richie Kotite. Played and, and coached at Wagner College. Sure, yeah. And uh, I got a place out there I love to eat in called uh, the Mimos Pizza. I also go to the Danino's on Victory. Yeah, Danino's Pizza. I go to uh, Victory Boulevard. I go out there to get uh, some food every now and then from the Roadhouse. Uh, love that. Now oh, Victor, Victory and Clove, Lenny. Yeah, yeah. My my dear friend Steve and Regina Titel. They live in uh, in Staten Island. They own a deli in Bayonne on uh, on Broadway called the L bombs. You know, I get out there to see them every now and then. So yeah. Love me some Staten Island, man. <laughs> that's all Christy in the air. That's that's <laughs> all, well I'm 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 in Jersey for five years now, Lenny, but yep, well, you talk about bringing back memories of some good pizza. Holy what part crap. of Jersey are you, Chris? What part of Jersey are you, Chris? I'm in Huntington County now. I'm in I, Huntington I, I'm, County. I'm in central Jersey. I'm in Ocean County. Oh that's uh, east. Nice. I'm in Mercer. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Ocean County. I'm I'm right on the edge of Cream Ridge and uh, and Jackson. Oh, it's like ten minutes, twenty minutes. I'm in Robbinsville. Oh, where you go? Yep. I'm bringing you for lunch. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, I, go, I go to that the Lorenzo's, Jerry. Your place. Yeah. Aunt, Aunt Butchie's of Brooklyn. Aunt Butchie's of Brooklyn, which is on Route Nine in English Town. That's my spot, boys. Well, Aunt, well, let Lenny Aunt Butchie's actually opened up in Staten Island at first. Yes. And then I he moved the around. Yeah, that was. That a, I remember when that opened up in Staten Island. Excellent place. Yeah, the one in the one in English Town is off the chain, man. You play any golf, Lenny? Every now and then. Okay. Every now and then. Every now and then. Leonard, no, no, when you're that close. No, no, when you're that close. I may, I may be driving by your house now and then, and just you know, yeah, yeah. you're knocking on your my, door. Yeah, my neighbor here in Central Jersey is is a starter at one of the golf courses. Here. Okay. Awesome. So we, we could get out there if you want to. We can do that. Good stuff. I look forward to it, buddy. Leonard, listen. One of right, the, one, real quick, one of the things we always say, Sundays are giant days. And I just want to tell you, man, and I speak for Chris, I believe, as well, that's because of guys like you. And the, the performance, the way you carried yourself, everything. You know, that you. defense That defense from the 80s, that's why I'm a fan. Uh, you know, I'm a little younger. I'm, a, I'm 47. I grew up. Okay. I started being a fan in '83 when you were drafted. Yeah, three twelve and one. So I, I just want to thank you for everything uh, and and for being so honest about everything. I really appreciate. We really appreciate you coming on and doing this with us, man. It's awesome. You're welcome, man. Hey, look, listen. Many blessings to you guys and your family. You know, hope 2022 is healthy and prosperous for you. You know, let's certainly try to get together this year, and uh, we'd love to meet you both. Awesome. Lenny, 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 I hope to see you at training camp. I hope you pop in one day. I hope to see you there. You got it, fellas. Thank right. you, Lenny. 
Take care. See you. Okay, guys. Well, there he, there he is, Jerry, the uh, great Leonard Marshall. Um, you know what, Jerry? You know, obviously touching on some old great times and touching on other subjects, brother. Yeah, you know, man. Telling us some stuff that we, we didn't know. I thought the Eddie DeBottle story was classic, Jerry. I love that story. Hilarious. You know? Um, you know, but look, you know, just, you know, listen, one of the best defensive plays the Giants have had, brother, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. A, you know, ex-unbelievable defensive end. And, you know, and was part of some historic plays and historic defenses, Jerry. And and I thought it was, uh, you know, he gave us some really good stuff. And, uh, it was, and it was uh, it was nice to have him on, Lenny, and talk about some of the old times and some of the stuff he's doing today. And obviously, you know, listen, some of the issues these guys are going through, Jerry, when they retire, man. It's, yeah. you, know, it's, you know, you don't hear about it every day, but, you know, like, like Lenny was saying, you know, a lot of guys are dealing with it privately, Jerry, with the CTE stuff and all that, so. Yeah, it was really something. And it, it, when you hear it from, like, the horse's mouth, it's it's now CT for us is kind of just out there among NFL players. When you have one on and he's telling you about what struggles he goes through and then you're hearing about friends of his and Dewerson and the tragedies, uh, you know, it's uh, – I can't – you know, you can't relate to it. It's just – it's something that's that's out there. And, and, look, at least the NFL is trying to do something. And we always talk about, like, oh, yeah, adding a 17th game is not going to help. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's it, some amazing stories that he gave us, Chris. It's I, I don't even know what to say at this point. It was just, it was an honor to interview him. And uh, like you said, he gave us some stuff that we weren't even expecting. So, I'm just a little upset, Jerry, that the guy's been on Staten Island like a thousand times. I never ran into him. Chris, my <laughs> wife was born in Cream Ridge. So when he's like, oh, yeah, Cream Ridge, Jackson, border. I'm like, oh, dude, I got to find where this dude lives. <laughs> right, 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 right. Watch now you'll run into him somewhere. Let's go to lunch. We'll go to lunch. Yeah. Watch now. Watch now you'll run into him somewhere, Jerry. Watch. After I'm just gonna, all these years. Well, right? I'm going to hang out at that place he talked about. All right. So, hey, listen, get, get, getting back to us, I guess, we'll, you know, we'll talk next week. We'll get into some more free agents, you know. Um, uh, next week will be March, I guess, right? Right, right around there, beginning of yeah. March. Yeah. Um, free agency will be a couple of weeks away. We'll talk about some of the free agents that are out there. I mentioned a few already, Jerry. I put it on Twitter. A couple of edge guys that, that won't, you know, won't be breaking the cap up and all that stuff that they might be interested in. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, we'll get into it next week. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys the Marshall interview, and we'll talk soon. All right, dude. Good stuff, man. Nice job. All right, guys. To order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com. And for a digital subscription, go to Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. We print this Sunday, guys. Free agency issue. Hope you enjoyed that. Sundays are Giant Days, baby. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody.